Hello, I'm afraid Mr. Cotton is not available at the moment. Please leave your name and number and he might call you back. I'm not going to fall for it. <laughs> oh, wow. I've just got a really, really weird, crazy clicking going on. It's very weird. It's like a, it's going... And I have no idea what it is. That was a good intro, though. And now, a personal favourite of mine. Stay right here for another instalment from Documentally. It's like a time code clicking. Really? Let me just unplug the phone. I'm going to plug it back in and hope it picks it back up. Yep. Still there, is it? Oh. It's gone. That was really weird. It was actually coming from the phone through something, but it appears to have stopped. Oh, God. I've just... Oh, by the way, I'm recording. <laughs> I've just spotted a wasp on my desk. What the hell is going on here? This is not meant to be, is it? If you hear a scream, it didn't... Something bad happened. Oh, it's disappeared. Totally disappeared. I'm going to call you right back. This is going to be okay. take two. Okay. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you too, Mark Cotton. You can cut in the bit from the first version. No, I like leaving in the <laughs> the bits where it all goes wrong because uh, it's kind of be behind the scenes. It is sort of becoming part of it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> what, the crap bits? The, like last week, um, when you got disconnected near the end of the call, and... Um, she left you a voicemail, didn't she? She left me a voicemail, yeah. um, CJ, uh, after we got cut off. And yeah. <laughs> I'm glad because being in my style of editing, I'm not sure what the French is or, or the technical term for my style of editing, which is effectively lazy. Um, somebody once says, I love how you uh, capture and record actuality and that sound kind of as it is in the situation. And uh, I thought that's kind of justifying my use of those apps that, that enabled me just to hit record, capture the moment, bang it out there, get on to the next moment. I didn't want to sit at a screen and record for many hours on end because, number one, I leave that to the professionals like yourself who do it very well. And number two, I'm scared of missing the stories while I'm sat at a screen, which I could do a lot more of because I'm stuck at home at the moment. But... I'd like you to introduce yourself before it becomes all about me. <laughs> um, so I'm, uh, I'm Mark Cotton. I'm MC Fontaine, which uh, I've kind of become online. It used to be my stage name for a band I was in. And I'm a, I kind of fell into becoming a podcast producer. I worked in IT for 20 years, but that was basically just to put food on the table so I could carry on in bands and then I walked out my job back in 2010 and didn't have any usable skills really apart from being a musician and audio editor so I thought oh, I'll have a go at that and then you know I am 10 11 years later and I'm still somehow earning a living from it. I think you're doing really well because it's a flooded market with not just content creators now but content editors and manipulators yeah 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 there's a there's a i mean 
quite weird. Last year was probably the busiest year I've ever had in 11 years of being a freelancer. That's amazing. Yeah, I was having to, I, I kind of had, I can't think, what's that? Um, oh, I can't think what that phrase is. Uh, like when you feel guilty for having your job or whatever, I can't think. Yeah, it's you. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, there is a word, but you you were you were in a privileged situation when yeah. everybody else wasn't. You know, I spend ninety percent of my time at home. That's where I work. So it wasn't. You know, I've been sort of a climate climate training for the last ten years for lockdown, <laughs> and then the amount of work that came in. I was, I, in the end, I was having to turn work down. Luckily, I did know some other producers who wouldn't who were more record producers, and they were looking for other work and i could pass work on to them so that was you know at least i could do that that's great but yeah last year was just crazy are you still composing because you're not just a a podcast creator editor uh capturer of the interviews um you also write and perform maybe not recently music um only just recently um my mum died towards the end of 2019 um, and she had Alzheimer's and um, for about six, seven years before that my stepdad had died and I'd kind of she wasn't living with us but she lived in the same town it was only like ten minutes away so over that period of time it, it was more and more of my time was being taken up looking after her bless her so since mum's died you know, I suddenly just got all this time back that I didn't realise I'd, I'd lost really and um then when lockdown started, and in fact, he's called on a good day because it's in two days' time, it'll be exactly a year since an old friend of mine got in touch with me. And we'd lost touch for about four years. And he just rang me, he just texted me and said, This is stupid, I don't know why we haven't been talking. And there's three of us, and we've been having a call every Friday for a year now, and we've only missed one in a year. But um, we've actually been kind of very slowly writing an album for the third person nice uh, between me and Steve so yeah yeah doing some bits now just starting to do some bits so um yeah just it just life just got too much I just didn't have time well if you're that busy working place sometimes has to go on the back burner as you make hay while the sun shines I've I've had the quietest year ever in one regard but the busiest year for unpaid projects and work which dare i say it have been very rewarding i keep forgetting that i write an email which is technically work and i have a deadline and to be honest sometimes it's like oh my god how am i going to fit this in how am i going to fit this in but it always seems to come together and then it's put out there and the fact i'm not thinking of it as work at the moment is um that's a good thing is good and um your projects in general, one of your bigger projects is, of course, Bletchley Park. Give me a few moments about that because that's somewhere that was quite close to my heart as well. When I, well, it links in with me leaving, my, walking out my IT job, actually. I, the week after I walked out, I was on a mailing list for something, it must have been, and then I suddenly received this email from the Alan Turing Centenary. Um, and this was 2010. So they're looking at, we're going to do stuff in 2012. And I just basically said, well, you know, I can do a bit of audio editing and things. And, you know, you've got any audio you want working on. And I basically did that for two years. We did 
few, you know, the first couple of, like, first 2010, 2011 wasn't loads, but obviously 2012, loads of things. And a lot of them were based at Bletchley Park, for obvious reasons. And so I got to know the people at Bletchley Park. And then I just said, uh, we've recorded a, a day of talks. We had about 12 speakers on this uh, Turing Education Day, they called it. And the last one being Captain Jerry Roberts, who'd been a trade breaker during World War II. He sadly passed away a few years ago. And um, I had these, something like 10 hours of recordings, and I said to Bletchley, do you want a podcast? And the CEO Ian said, yes, please. And then uh, I've been producing it ever since, so nine years. 223 episodes, I think, yeah. That is quite incredible, the amount of stories that you must have captured and more importantly archived which was something i was yeah. really worried about when we first got to play and do some blogging and live streaming and other such stuff from there i was it was is almost overwhelming that there were these very old people who were very young at heart because they were dripping mm. with stories of daring yeah. do and tales that were going to die with them if we didn't somehow extract it. And you, you've been, you've been the surgeon. Well, I've, I've, I've been one strand of it because they they do have an official oral history team, and that kind of start that started probably not long after the podcast started, and we were a bit disconnected to start with, but the first few years, um, mainly I think because of the person who was not the guy who runs it, but the person he reported to. I don't think they could understand. They couldn't see what podcasting could do to help them. No, I remember that for very that, clearly. That it was as if yeah. podcasting was this quirky social media thing, yeah. not effectively radio journalism, which is yeah. archived very well indeed and recorded in sometimes much higher quality. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, we. I mean, the main strand we do with the podcast and have done for the last five years is, is a documentary series. So we literally just pick a. Up to now, it's been date based, so it was all seventy fifth anniversaries and eightieth anniversaries. And, you know, so next week or the week after, I'll be recording what we shouldn't have recorded last year, the eightieth anniversary of the Battle of France, and that will be, you know, that will be two months of planning before I even think about going to recording anything. What's the easiest way for someone to find the podcast? Uh, just type into Google Bletchley Park Podcast and there's hundreds of places it is. It's on every platform. Have you ever dabbled in field recording or capturing the sounds to go along with the the audio stories? You know, would I go out my front door at five o'clock in the morning, say last summer in July and... and, and walk up and down the street on different parts of the street, so the pavement and the gravel at the side of the road and the middle of the road, and different types of footwear to record a whole bunch of different footsteps. Of course I wouldn't do that. <laughs> oh, I thought you were making it up. You, you were capturing no. Foley. Yeah, <laughs> which, was, which was a bit confusing for the couple who live over the road from me who must work at a factory and must start very early. They came out the door to see this idiot who lives over the road walking up and down the street with the recorder. You should have told them you're doing um, audio reviews of shoes. 
I just I just gave him a jolly good morning. <laughs> Stretching in your winkle pickers on, on the noisiest gravel you can find. Oh, so if I need the sound of chewing gum stuck on shoe being slowly stretched, have you got that in your archive? I didn't record that that evening because I was specifically recording an audio project for Alzheimer's patients and their carers. And that was actually specifically one thing, which was uh, two 10-minute pieces of audio, which was a walk around Bletchley Park during World War II. Hmm. So if you visit Bletchley Park, they've got soundscapes in the grounds. So you've got things like a rounders game being played and some people by the lake and things like that. So basically we took those and then we took some bits that I'd done previously for some other pieces I've done for them. And then over the years, I've collected loads of audio in the, in the huts and the rooms and things. And then some extra foley. And we create, I created this walk in two parts, this walk around Bletchley Park. Wow. So you got to walk into a hut where there was, you know, you've got literally, you know, there's typewriters going in the background and then you can hear someone on the phone and, you know, you're going to the bomb bomb hut and, you hear, and then that switches over to a piece of audio we have in the, in the bomb demonstration. Uh, uh, bomb exhibition, you know, with two wrens talking about the work and things like that, and so that was for that really. So uh, yeah, That's I great. do like doing stuff like that. It was in stereo. It makes sense, doesn't it? Because it's it's it it adds that element of depth having yeah. a stereo conversation. You can place the people in your imagination as we kind yeah. of paint the pictures of the imagery. There's something I really like about messing around with, well, not just stereo, but. Uh, by That's normal. what I was trying to do for the, especially thinking it it being for Alzheimer's patients. I just thought, right, no, it needs to be engaging for them. If there's someone listening to this thinking, oh god, I really like podcasts. I need to have a go myself, and they wanted to start simple and affordable. What would you recommend? Uh, well, they could go no, you know, worse than listen to you to start with. And, and, simple and, and affordable, simple that's me. <laughs> because, well, you see, I always, every June, uh, you do this and I do it, and loads of us, loads of our friends do this. We do audio mode, which is a month of audio blogging. And you just record anything you want. There's no, there's no rules to it. It can be about anything. It can be any length. It can be any quality. Just, it's just whatever you want to do each time. And every year, I've, for years, I did like big. I'd do a new theme tune for it, and I'd do a big production number. Some years, I did. You know, I had themes to what I was doing. Um, but every year, at some point, I go instead of spending like four hours to produce ten minutes, why can't I just do what Christian does and turn my phone on and just record something in my phone? And I have started trying to do that. I think last year I did a lot more. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting. For me, it's kind of dependent on where people are going to be listening to that as well. And, you know, if they are going to be sitting plugged into a high-tech hi-fi with stereo headphones on, I do like to offer something to fit that scene. But with this being based around Twitter or the hashtag AudioMo, and this is a great example, Mark, because there are people that come into AudioMo thinking, I won't make the whole month. I'll just do one or two days. And then they yeah. get addicted and they realise that by listening to everybody else in the community, they pick up so much. I think last year I actually 
I tried to do a different microphone every day, which was a bit of a challenge, but also very, very sad to realize that I had over 30 microphones that I could use. <laughs> and yet I'm only using one most of the time if I'm just going out with my phone. I yeah. still carry a spoffle in my pocket 10 years later, pretty much. Um, and it's always there in case I need to capture just on the phone. But no, that's a great example. And Audio Mo will be starting again in June, I believe. And it all, all you got to do is capture something, throw it into the timeline. Some You've got to kind of turn it into video for Twitter. And, and what well, you did last year, nowadays, we've all, we can all record audio straight into Twitter now. But. Sorry, you said that on editing thing. <laughs> i do yeah i do uh you've got a certain style as well with your your editing you keep things very tight you are not one for silence well i am and i'm not i am and i i'm not and i am you mean sometimes sometimes that's the case (laughs) i i have a thing that i've kind of made especially for bletchley with the veterans because these people are the youngest is going to be ninety five now. I think. Wow. You would have had to have been, I think, ninety five to have served. But they're talking about things that they did, probably when they were seventeen and a half upwards, and and the vast majority of the staff would have been under twenty five. And when you speak to them, I mean, obviously, there's a lot more ladies left alive in the army because they outlive us. And also, I don't know what they made them of in the 30s and 40s, but it, it's, it's good old stuff. And they will generally call them. They'll say, oh, what me and the girls used to do. And they still think of themselves as girls when they're talking about it. And most of them, I'd say the vast majority of people we've interviewed, it's probably self-selection, because if we've asked people if they want to do an interview, they probably only feel confident. That they must feel confident to say yes. You know, so therefore they probably can talk well about a subject. But there will always be some pauses and some ums and ahs. But I really tighten up the veterans' interviews because I want them to sound like they did when they were a kid. And tightening up those long pauses and those mistakes makes them sound like they were 20 again. Hmm. And And... The number of families that I've had say to me, and it especially happens when we use an older interview from an oral archive where the veteran has since passed away, and the number of families that say to me, thank you for that, you you made, you, you gave me mum back. That sounded like mum when I was growing up. Wow, um, I never yeah. really considered that, that the removing of the pauses and the contemplative thought that goes into somebody trying to recall memories from so far back would mean that they are kind of on it and and fresh of mind and young again that's really interesting if if you could take your entire body of work and 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 like it, it wouldn't fit on a hard drive in fact i'm only giving you 30 meg usb stick from 15 years ago what's the what's the one thing the only thing that you could consider putting on it? What piece of work are you most proud of? It would be an interview with a veteran called 
Gene Cocci, Jeannie Cocci, who sadly passed away about a year ago now. Jeannie had spent 75 years of her life being convinced that she'd been useless because she, she got selected to do her basic training as a wren. And she said, I, I, was, I was rubbish. You know, I wasn't good enough to be a cook or a driver or, or anything. And so they sent me to Bletchley Park. And it suddenly dawned on me that she didn't realise how important what she'd done was. So I, I, I just, you know, we know about the, how people recruit and things. So I could sort of say to her, right, when you went to Bletchley Park, was there just you or maybe a couple of other people who went from your intake? And she said, oh, it was just me and one other girl. Right. And you didn't finish your basic training, did you? No, 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 I wasn't good enough. I said, no, it's because they realised there was no point in wasting another two weeks having you scrub floors when they knew there was an important job for you to do. And she literally sat there and went, really? Yeah, Jeannie. And the daughter was with her. And it's, she literally, her face just beamed. She suddenly realised she hadn't been useless. Mm. That's amazing. It was. It was. I always um, when I into when we use the the veterans interviews in the podcast, I always see send them CDs afterwards for them and the families. I always put a covering letter in, and bless her, Jeannie kept that covering letter in her bag till the day she died. Because wow. it was me saying to her, you know, I hope you realise. I just want to reiterate that what you did during the war was, you know, was important. You were very important. What you did. It's just, and, and you, you know, that would be that's the proudest thing I've ever done. And that's great that you were able to do that after years of them being told specifically, yeah. do not tell anybody about what you've yeah. done, and therefore getting none of the rewards that come along with serving your country like somebody else might have had. Yeah, exactly. What do you do if you're faced with somebody who gets mic shy and really does not want to share or want to talk in general? Some people are really keen to be involved, but then they just clam yeah. up in, in the situation. Normally, you can spot whether someone's going to be nervous. Um, so I always do the same thing. I start the interview, and I completely and utterly make a balls up of it. <laughs> this is weird. This is weird. This is weird. Right, okay, sorry That's... about this. Let me do, let's do... No, I'll tell you why it's weird, because I do something really similar. Carry on. And then I do it again. And then I start getting angry with myself. And oh, you'd think after a number of years I've been doing this, I'd know how to do this better than this one. Right, okay, let's try it. And because at that point, up to the point where you press the red line, that person could be, you know, I've, I've interviewed, you know, famous people, musicians, actors, historians, authors, you know, archivists, anything, you know, and at that point, they, you two are sitting in that room, they're the expert on their subject. It doesn't matter if someone else elsewhere is an expert. At that point in time, they are the expert. But they're in an unusual situation because you're putting this thing in front of them or you're clipping a mic on them. And that suddenly takes them out of the comfort zone because they think I'm now the expert in that room. So if you then make yourself look human, by, you know, oh, I've screwed up here. I don't know what I'm doing. Right, let's let's try and do this together, shall we? You know, and it puts them at ease. Always works. Yeah, that's a, it's it's all about the power dynamic, isn't it? And as a photographer, hmm. you kind of, 
some people get carried away with that power dynamic. You know, you have the yeah. camera, you can, I've told royalty what to do and, and yeah. CEOs, of, you know, can, and you can get them to do the okie cokey with very little, uh, very little effort. And, and then that's just humiliating and probably wrong. But with, um, with audio, I'll get somebody to assist with the recording whilst I do a test. So very similar to what you're doing you know, make out it's a new recorder and I don't really know my way around it. Yeah. And I think that's a great leveler. I've found that if I go too far with it, there is somebody whose time is precious and they are sometimes, I don't know what the other word is for up themselves. Um, yeah. They, 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 they wonder why am I wasting my time with this person? You know, I could have a BBC lanyard around my neck, but it's still, you know, don't waste my time. Let's just get this done. And then I'm thinking, hang on, this is not going to be good. <laughs> Yeah, I think generally if you get one of those, it's close it off as quick as you can because you're not going to get anything out of it, to be honest. If, if the other person isn't engaged, you see, this is you've got this amazing skill and I'm, you're going to have to put this out now because you're not going to edit it, so you're going to have to put out me praising you. So hard luck. Um, from the moment I met you and first started listening to you, you just got this amazing skill and everyone uses this, you know, it's such a buzzword to say, oh, it's very conversational, what I record. But if we just typed into Google conversational audio interviewing, there should just be a picture of you. <laughs> because that's what you do. And I was, oh, Christ, I must have listened to thousands of your recordings. Must not. I mean, your, I did your thousandth audio boot, didn't I? Yeah, you edited that, and yeah. We, we put those little clips together. So I have literally listened to thousands of your recordings, and there's not one where you haven't managed to, to get a conversation out of someone, and and it not sounds stilted either. Do you know? I think because I've got a very low bar of what I think is good, <laughs> and I don't mean that <laughs> derogatory to some of the conversations which maybe didn't go anywhere. But if that person is worst case scenario. I've got a very arty person who's been told to do an interview, doesn't want to do an interview, and here I am. Yeah. I love that dynamic as well because that person is going to show who they are, whether they're there to plug a book or plug a movie or, or I'm just interested in extracting a certain bit of information. Their temperament is going to come through in the intonation, in the in the volume, in the the choice of words. And I really like that because those that are curious about audio will not just listen to that marketing spiel. They will listen to the humanity inside that yeah. conversation. And that's what I love because so many other things are going on in a piece of audio that your brain can pick out when we're not distracted by the smoke and mirrors of video where they can yeah. cut to something else or show graphics on the screen or point to something and take you away from that moment. And and I, and I really like that about it. And I miss it when I don't get to do it. And at the moment, I'm doing very, very little. So I, I don't know when I'm going to get time to, 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 when I say edit this, put my little top and tail and maybe take out the chaos at the beginning. <laughs> Not take it out, but reduce it to a manageable level. Because although I say I don't edit 90% of the time, if it's recorded on the phone, very easy to do that. For me to get this into my email, I've got to take out the memory card, put it in a computer, and, oh, it's really close to garage band. Yes, I'm using professional gear. <laughs> the, the, the mistakes, like the, the when you called me and I was 
about to do a recording, wasn't I, last time you tried to call me? Yep. And I rang you back, and then you had a whole bunch of people's answer phone messages. I was like, that really worked well. And then at the end of last week, when CJ leaves you the voicemail, it was like, this is becoming a thing now. This is part of it. It's 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 the behind the scenes is part of the scene. Well, it would be nice to um, it would be nice to have one or two straight conversations that just work off the cuff. That would be nice. Otherwise, the novelties aren't novelties anymore. But like you say, if it becomes thematic. And um, I, I have no problem at all talking about the equipment that's being used. And I guess if this was a video, it would be a little bit like breaking the fourth wall or whatever they call it, when you're yeah. in, you know you're looking into the lens and saying you are here and I'm. But we do this very much with the community in mind. Audio for me is a community medium, and yes. you you don't have to pander to everybody because. Just because it's audio, you're more accessible. People who don't, who aren't able to see video, are invited into this space as well. I think it's a more accessible medium. So when I say oh, I'm using uh, the PodTrack P4, someone can go and Google what it is, and it was a um, um, really nice purchase actually for what it is. And I'm I am really impressed with it because it's kind of a much simpler version of some of the bigger multi-track recorders that you can you can fit it in a pocket really the microphone yeah. i'm using um which because we're talking audio i could talk about this hang on while i pick it up and make a microphone looking at for the name sounds uh, yeah there we go like you didn't know what you were using already i didn't honestly because oh, well, well i suppose when you've got 31 microphones <laughs> in, your, in your cupboard it's the uh rode podmic or oh, pod mic. I did know it was Rode, but they got so, they've got so many mics out there. You've got so many mics out there, and it's quite a large capsule mic. It just sits on the table, and even though I'm leaning on the table, this is a no-no. It should be freestanding in a suspension mount, but I can't, if I move my elbow now, yeah, it's just terrible, and it's all that low booming kind of audio. So yeah, that that normally would have led to an email from me if you were my client. <laughs> And 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 just to add insult to injury on how little I I care, not care, uh, consider <laughs> the production uh, quality. I'm sat on a very creaky box, um, on one butt cheek, which is now numb, and staring to the spot where the wasp fell at the beginning of this recording, to to just to make sure it doesn't creep up on me, because I've just said to my daughter and her friend to be quiet because I was going to the shed um, but stop freaking out about the wasps I haven't been stung for over 30 years and I'm like sod's law sod's law I'm going to tread on one I've got my socks on in the shed <laughs> and it'll yeah, be like yeah. as long as it's documented anything for the audio that would be good are any of your songs that are going on this next album like ready in any way that can that can like be tagged on the end of no, this already no, very long yet. piece of audio no, they're not yet. We've just been right, bizarrely writing over Facebook Messenger. Oh wow! Um, I think I think we've already got Alan Moore on board to do the liner notes. No way! I'm not joking either. So um, Alan, Alan's already said, "Yeah, I'll do the liner notes." And so on. The last two times I've been in Northampton, I've bumped into Alan Moore, and to some, he is an absolute god. When you see him in the street. He looks like a cross between 
an artist, a vagrant, a wizard, uh, and somebody you just really want to put a microphone in front of. Yeah. But you're also likely to get strangled um, and left in a ditch if he if he doesn't <laughs> want you to, to interview him right there and then. Um, I actually asked him to strangle me once for a selfie. Um, we were in, we were having a coffee together and we'd been chatting and he had a big slab of cake and a coffee. I had my coffee and we were chatting away and I was like, I've got to take a photo because uh, my mate is a huge fan. I didn't say I'm a big fan, obviously, because <laughs> and uh, it'd be really cool if you were strangling me. And I don't know why I said that because he looked at me as if to say, if I strangle you, he's going to hurt. <laughs> I, I, I've, I've, the first time I ever met Alan, I was 19 years old. I was absolutely skint. I'd just moved out of home. And there was a corner shop around the corner from us. And it was a kind of like, and the house had been turned into a corner shop, so it's sort of U-shaped. And I'm walking down one aisle. I look down, there's 20 pounds on the floor, and I pick it up. I'm going, this is, this is amazing. But I literally had like, you know, two quid in my pocket. Um, and I look in front of me, a foot in front of me is another 20 quid. And I walk around this U-shape of this shop, and I pick up 140 pounds. And I pick up the last 20, and I look up, and there is, I'll refer to your earlier description of Alan, and he's got this wad of money in his hand, and these 20s are just falling out. And I was like, I didn't realise it was him. And I just went, um, I think you dropped these. He said, oh, thanks, mate. And left the shop. And there we go. <laughs> I just lost 140 quid. I could have had that. And then a bit, you know, a couple of days later, I work it. Someone says, oh, that's, I think, in the street. Someone said, oh, that's Alan Moore. Wow. What? And we lived in the next street at the time. But yeah, I, I can safely say I have never bumped into Alan and not walked away with a huge smile on my face. Yeah, I know what you said. And last Alan Moore story, I've always walked away with a huge smile, but once I walked away with a huge stack of books, which were signed because <laughs> he was, uh, I was actually photographing him at the time, but I knew he was going to be there. So I took all my Alan Moore books in, all of my, <laughs> like issue one to, you know, the, the entire series of V for Vendetta and, and the individual yeah. issues and, uh, you know, a couple of others, The Watchman and all the rest of it. And uh, can you sign something for me? After I took a photo, he's like, Absolutely no problem at all. And then, like <laughs> everything. He goes, I'll do them, but you're taking the piss. <laughs> I was like, oh, thank, thanks, man. I think he, he, he appreciated the cheekiness. At least I hope he did. He signed everything anyway. And oh, um, Yeah, if he wasn't, if he, if he didn't, you would have known. He just wouldn't have signed it. He yeah. Just gone I mean, you could tell it was my collection. It's not like I was just going to put it on a, yeah. you know, I didn't, when he said, who do you want it to? I didn't say, can you put it, dear eBay winner? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it was uh, it was all to me, so I think you appreciate that. Listen, um, how do we wrap up? I mean, I'd love to put a piece of your music at the end. Is there anything? All people need to know. I mean, you can't get from that that tricky verse to that chorus. All you need is a transition, and all you need to ever have is. <laughs> Yeah, that's cool.
I'm not joking. It is my favourite chord. It's the best chord in the world. And I would say, as the years have gone on, I've tried to dump it into more and more songs I've written. Well, now it's in a podcast. Give it me one more time with maximum clarity, maximum quality. What, and in tune? For everybody that's listening, give me all of the places or at least some of the main places where people can find you online. Uh, just on Twitter, at MC Fontaine. Mark, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Christian. It's, it's lovely to do this. Um, your newsletter is a godsend every Friday. Just the fact that you put something in a newsletter, obviously, unless it's about bloody ham radios, um, <laughs> It's going to be interesting. <laughs> Hang on a second. Let me just, uh, just I've got the newsletter open on the computer. Let me just, just delete some of the ham radio stuff that's Is in that this week. Just for you. There we go. Yeah. And uh, that's it. I'll try not to put any ham radio in on this one. Mark, I'm looking forward to catching up with you in the not too distant future. And I'd oh, be I'm, lovely, mate. I want to jump on the motorbike, head over to Northampton, and we can bump into Alan Moore together. All the best. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Documentally. You know the chord you have at the end of the James Bond thing? Yeah. You quite finished?